Welcome to the Orchard Podcast, a resource of Orchard Africa. The mission of Orchard Africa is to equip the church to care for the vulnerable. For three decades, a passionate community of churches, leaders, and donors have worked together to feed, educate, care for, and empower under-resourced communities in Southern Africa. To date, Orchard Africa and its partners have served over 10 million meals to families in need, cared for over 75,000 orphan children, and enrolled 8,000 children in high-quality early learning programs. All of this takes place with local African leaders to help communities move from survival to stability to sustainability. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to the Orchard Podcast, where we help you make a positive and sustainable impact in the places of greatest need in our world. My name is Brian Lemieux. I'm the executive pastor of Orchard Africa, and I'm here at the table with Mike and Michelle Tessendorf, the co-founders of Orchard Africa. Hello, Hi. everyone. Hello, everybody. Let me introduce uh, Mike and Michelle to you if you are new to the podcast. Uh, Michelle is our CEO and provides directional leadership for the whole scope of the organization. And Mike serves as our senior pastor and leader of the Orchard Network, providing mentoring and leading uh, leading and development for uh, those pastors uh, we serve in South Africa. And we are sitting here at the table, and uh, it's Christmas time all around uh, Christmas lights on the trees here uh, next to me on the right, and uh, it is um, very festive around the, around the room. It's uh, it's Christmas time. Yeah, I'm drinking some chai tea, so those spices are just yummy, and we have a fire going. It's very Christmassy here. I've got Christmas coffee. Mm. <laughs> Mike's got coffee Mostly all the time. Mostly because it's the mug. <laughs> yeah. Well, one of the things that we do uh, during this time of the year, uh, we, we get ready for Christmas and we decorate. But as a ministry and as an organization and as people, one of the things that um, we often do is we reflect back on the last year as well. Yeah. Think about uh, what we've accomplished, uh, what went well, maybe what didn't go well, moments that uh, we... Uh, uh, we wouldn't want to relive or maybe ones we want to remember, um, but it's definitely a time as we get to the end of the year where we, we think about the past year. And one of the greatest assets of, uh, of a ministry or e- even in our lives is, is the things that we've, are the things that we've learned. Mm. The, Absolutely. Uh, the lessons that we've learned, one of the greatest assets that we have. And one of the rhythms for us as a ministry is uh, we routinely at the end of the year reflect back on. So, um, having done a year of ministry and having done a year of leadership together and and life, what what have we learned and how do we take those learnings and those lessons into the next year and and beyond? And so, with that in mind, uh, uh, we we've done that in a lot of different ways. But this year, uh, we were going to do it in a little different way. We want to do that through uh, the podcast and invite you around the table as we reflect on that. And so, we want to give you uh, the top ten uh, lessons we've learned uh, over the course of um, 2021. And uh, and here's how we're going to do that. Uh, we uh, we all separately on our own um, wrote down. Um, two to three or so lessons that we've learned, things that stood out to us as we thought um, back um, on the past year, but we haven't, we haven't shared them with each other yet. And so we don't know if we picked all the same ones. Uh, we, we don't know uh, what's on each other's lists, but um, uh, you're going to kind of discover with us as yeah. we reflect. <laughs> it's going to be interesting to see what comes out. It is the podcast. We have no idea where it will land. Uh, <laughs> but... Um, Looking forward to the conversation. So, um, let's let's jump right in and get mm. started. And uh, Michelle, you have you have the honors today to start your uh, right directly on my left. So, um, okay, we'll have you go ahead and start. Okay. Well, right at the top of my list is I have learned that my soul thrives in having more margin. Mm. In 2020, we all locked down and everybody's working from home. And in 2021, as an organization, we've kind of had a hybrid of working at the office and working from home. And what I've discovered is that that gives me margin. Uh, Just the commuting to the office 
and getting ready to go to the office is a good hour and another hour back. That's two hours out of a day. Mm. And I've discovered that this um, margin or having more time, but not that I've got more than 24 hours, but there's more time Mm. in which to Mm. do things, that my soul actually thrives. And I've noticed that uh, people in our organization seem to thrive with having more margin. Um, One of the things that this helps me do is to listen better. If I'm not always in a hurry and having to move on to the next thing, and I have margin, I have time to stop and listen. And I listen better, and I'm more willing to hear the other, Mm. to, to take the time to truly hear what the other is saying or needing or... Uh, it just, I think it's, it's for me, it's a part of this idea of a living quorum Deo, you know, to live mm. my life in the presence of God and not to live my life in the presence of time, mm-hmm. where so often in our modern world, time is our master. Mm. And to take that away and to find that margin, that slower pace, somehow I accomplish more, mm. more important things. Um, mm. hearing God's voice, hearing other people's voices, um, reflecting on the moment I'm in and how does that affect my soul and how is my response going to affect somebody else's soul. Um, so for me, that was my top one, is this idea that my soul and other people's souls thrive mm. when mm. they have margin. Mm. Yeah, that's really good. And I think there's been a bit of a happy accident in the midst of the last year where a lot more meetings for us, uh, probably if you're listening in for you as well, have been via Zoom. And mm-hmm. you're, you're totally right. It, it takes a lot less logistical work to uh, go to a meeting um, via Zoom than getting mm-hmm. in a car and driving and getting ready. And mm. there's something to being in the room but the uh the benefit of zoom meetings or or less travel during the year uh i agree it's created a a space uh maybe we didn't expect we would have yeah for god to speak right Absolutely. And even the zoom meetings um i think we've all gotten better at it and so Mm. It's easier, and uh, I find myself watching people on the screen mm. uh, as a form of listening as well. This not not being so impressed with my image on the screen, but to mm. uh, look at what other people are doing and trying to read their body language. And actually, you can, as we've all relaxed and become used to. Mm. I think one of the... <clears throat> benefits or one of the ways that you've benefited from that margin though and I mean I've watched you is uh, the downside of working from home is that you can end up working extra hours because you kind Mm. of forget when you're at home and when you're at work and so because you can instead of using that hour of commuting and getting ready to feed your soul Mm. you say well I've got an extra hour Mm. to work and I've actually watched you use that time to feed your soul. And I think that's a good discipline. Um, even when you don't have margin to actually create a discipline where you create margin to feed your soul. Yeah. But, but I hear what you're saying, and I think it's a great um, lesson in discipline that you've actually used that time to invest in yourself and not just say, well, I've got more time to work. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, I well, I, I don't observe myself like mm. you do, so that's mm. that's good input. It's an interesting thought. What do you do with the margin? Yes. Right. We can create margin or have the opportunity to have margin, but what we do with it makes all the difference. Mm. And with that margin, you can rest and listen and fill your soul or or fill it with all kinds of activity that mm. uh, still crowds out that still small voice of God. Mm. So, you know, what, do you, what do you do with the margin once, once you have it? Right. Maybe I'm just fortunate that I'm a contemplative person by nature. So for me, that would come naturally to read a book, to sit and think quietly. Mm. Mm. Great. All right. Number one. All right. 
All right, I'll, I'll, I'll pick up the next one. Um, I, in, 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 let me pick up on Michelle's words. I've learned that my soul thrives on community. And for me, um, that's been an interesting lesson because by nature, I'm a, a loner. I quite happily work alone. I can get involved in projects and do them by myself. And I realized that as much as I am a loner, I need other people mm. and I need the community of people. Uh, we, Michelle and I, were involved in a really, really great uh, small group um, early in 2020. And then with everything that happened with COVID, uh, the group shut down, people were mm. concerned about their health. Um, and so that went away. And for various reasons, it just never, ever got back together mm. again. Mm. And we went through 2020 and most of 2021 without the benefit and the, the sole food of what that community provides. And then in September this year, uh, we got involved in a, a new small group, ourselves and three other couples around about our age. And we spent the last three months together meeting once a week. And um, that community group is still going. Uh, we started off as strangers. And mm -hmm. in, in the last three months, I think we've kind of become friends. We know a little bit more about each other. But the real, regardless of what we talk about or how deep we might get into some Bible study or scriptural conversation, the benefit is that there are people. Mm. And people that know me and who I've got to know. And people who tell me, uh, well, one of the things that we want to be is if you travel and when you travel, we want to be the group that you come home to. And that, that mm. feeds me. And mm. so I fully, fully understand the, the, the value of Scripture when it says how good and how pleasant it is when brethren and sisters, of course, dwell together. I found that good. Mm. And I've learned that. Uh, sure, I mean, we've been able to attend church services and, and, and te you know, do that kind of thing. But there's something special about personal community and having people who I know and who know me. Mm. Yeah. Mm. And, and if nothing else, this year has taught me that, for me, that's absolutely vital. Mm. I think that's a fantastic lesson for Mike. Because, as he said, by nature, he's a learner. And... Um, I have observed over the years um, how he, he does do projects on his own and he does work on his own. And so for him to learn this value of community is, um, it's good. I, I, I love that, the fact that a, a community is valuable. Mm. Mm. I think sometimes we forget the the beauty and the, the value of it when we don't have it for a long time. Mm. We've figured out a method of life without it. And then when it comes back, you realize, oh, this is what life could feel like. Right. Mm -hmm. And um, I know that uh, I've had seasons where uh, I've had community and seasons where it's been, it's been quieter or lonelier. And I think that uh, I'm just better at what I do when I have people around me. And the image that comes to mind is um, that Old Testament uh, story where um, Moses is, uh, is has his hands up during kind of the battle. Yes. Do you remember that story? Yes. And then uh, he was uh, doing his level best to, um, to continue to be faithful in the ministry. And then uh, if you know the story, you know, then they... Two came alongside yeah. and held his arms up, and uh, then the battle was won. Mm -hmm. right. Instead of that moment right. of community, mm. being able to have somebody who who sees you, observes you, I think that's good language, and says, "I I want to lift your arms with you." And, mm. 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 Well, you know, um, God's word to Adam Ray, way back in at the time of creation was, "It's not good for a man to be alone." And typically we associate that with marriage and, and a life partnership. But I think that's true for us as humans, just mm. humankind. Mm. It's not good for us to be alone. Mm. Right. And alone is not just, well, I get to see people or meet with people, but it's actually being 
having people being a part of your life. Mm. Mm. That's good. Yeah, that's good. On to me. All right. Um, for me, um, I like to have a timeline and things accomplished in a certain order. And uh, I like process and predictability. <laughs> and this, uh, this year has taught me uh, what I'll call the, the fruitfulness of patience. Mm. And I read this quote that sums up one of the things I've been learning uh, about the, the value of patience and what it means. And uh, David Allen writes this. He says, patience is the calm acceptance that things can happen in a different order than you once had in your mind. That's good. Wow. Could you read that again? Yeah. Patience is the calm acceptance that things can happen in a different order than the one you have in your mind. Yeah. And this past year has been a year like that. And going back into 2020 where mm. uh, we had a strategy and a plan and A was going to follow B and B was going to follow C. And then it just couldn't go in that order. Mm-hmm. And so to be patient before the Lord to say, I'm going to trust in your timing mm-hmm. <clears throat> and that the fruit of the spirit, uh, patience is a really big part of what it means for the spirit to be alive and at work in you. And, and so that's been a stretching part for me. And one of the things that when I say the fruitfulness of that is been discovering over and over again, how patience over the long term pays off. Uh, uh, one of the things I was reading um, this past week was um, just that when you think of fruitfulness and things that grow, that um, some things take longer to grow. Yeah. And there's the Chinese bamboo tree. Maybe you've heard of this uh, tree before, but for the first four years of its life, it doesn't even emerge from the ground. Wow. Uh, so you might think nothing's happening, there's no growth, and then it's in the fifth year that almost overnight the bamboo sprouts and then grows at this incredible rate to maybe 90 feet in that fifth year. Wow. Gee. And it, was, it, it required the watering over those four years to be able to realize the, the growth of the fifth year. And um, as we think about ministry and investing in people, as we think about partnerships, that the constant willingness to water and to pray and to trust God for his timing, even though it may happen in a different order, is, uh, is maybe the secret to fruitfulness. And sometimes you're, uh, you're in the harvest season and sometimes you're planting the seed and some mm. seeds grow fast and some seeds need to be watered for four years before it sprouts and it bears fruit. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a great lesson. Uh, just exercising patience in ministry and in life. Um, goes back to, I think, that idea that I spoke about earlier that we're always in a hurry, want mm. things to happen quickly. And, and that has changed. I do think people have changed that whole concept of got to fill my calendar mm-hmm. got to be busy every moment mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. that idea of patience because mm-hmm. um, I think sometimes we think patience is where we take a deep breath and roll our eyes and okay grit my teeth but it's not that at all mm. it isn't active waiting yeah mm. there's a difference between active waiting and passive waiting yes or passive patience where mm. Uh, you maybe heard the analogy where it's uh, it's a lot easier to change the direction of a ship when it's moving, yes, rather than when it's in harbor. And moving forward, but being patient at the same time is is key. Mm. Absolutely, I think it's great that you've adapted to 
you know, I, I'm sure that your 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 love for process and plan and and order is I mean, it's it's a lifelong habit. Hmm. And suddenly, in a year, you've almost had to undo that habit and adapt to things happening in a different way, which is a great credit to you. Hmm. And to me, the ability to adapt uh, speaks of being patient too, because. Uh, the idea of passive patience was, well, I'm going to just throw my hands up and wait until everything gets back to normal and then I can be normal again. Mm. Mm. But in the midst of circumstances that are so different to adapt, uh, your process and your whole mm. sort of life um, pattern, I think it's great mm. that you've been able to do mm. that. All right, back to you, Michelle. All righty. Well, my next one kind of piggybacks on what Mike said, um, but from a different standpoint. And so for me, what I have learned is that who you surround yourself with makes all the difference. Hmm. Um, I would not have wanted to go through this pandemic in the last two years and this year without the team that we have. Truly, we have a phenomenal team. And I was just reflecting on that, that um, surrounding ourselves with uh, people who we trust, Mm. um, people who are team players, has brought a stability and a joy and a peace to this ministry that, you know, through lockdown and then into this new hybrid type of work, The fact that the people we've surrounded ourselves with in this organization, that we trust them. Mm. There's no suspicion. There's no sense of, well, you know, are you sitting and watching Netflix all day? Uh, (laughs) It's more a case of, well, are you, you know, are we getting the job done? It really doesn't matter if you're doing that at 3 a.m. and then, you know, being with your kids in the <laughs> afternoon or whatever it takes. Just this idea of who you surround yourself with makes all the mm. difference. Um, there's no ego. We're all in this to serve. I, I think there's a level of maturity in our team where um, it's not about us. It's about... Mm who we're serving, why we're serving. Um, and I, I've seen organizations and I've heard from people where they've struggled during this time. And uh, one of the reasons is this lack of trust, mm. this lack of mature people, uh, the people they surrounded with um, or sur- who they've surrounded themselves uh, with have not been the kind of people that could grit their teeth and get through this together. And uh, people have felt maybe that's where that terrible need to fill up all my time with extra Mm. work so that I can prove myself Mm. comes in or whatever it is. And I just think what I have learned is that who you surround yourself with makes all the difference. Because, you know, we haven't always had um, team players. Mm. Like any other organization, we've had times where it's been tough. Mm. And uh, right now, I think we have a phenomenal team. And so that has made all the difference to me. And I've learned that, that who you surround yourself with makes all the difference uh, in good times and in uh, turbulent times and in stressful times. Mm. So Mm. It's in the stressful times that... If there's ego, it comes out. Yeah. <clears throat> when you feel threatened mm-hmm. um, or uncertain, that um, sometimes your more natural tendencies come out. And we're not we're not a perfect team. Uh, we're all growing, and we all have edges yeah. that we're growing. But uh, but in the midst of that, we we do find out who we really are in mm-hmm. um, times where it's uh, uncertain or. Uh, things don't happen in the order that we thought they would happen. And, um, <laughs> but, um, you know, we really, we, we become who we're around too. And if there's a spirit in the team of, of ego or I have to compete with somebody else, um, mm. it, it's contagious. It is. And I think what is contagious that I've noticed over this last year 
is um, that we have a, te- a team that has each other's back. Uh, you know, when I've seen somebody on our team perhaps struggling or floundering, to be there for them and not to use it as an opportunity to undermine them, but to rather go, mm-hmm. okay, I mm-hmm. see a little bit of floundering. How can I help? How can I prop up in such a way that it helps them get back on track? Um, I can't imagine how terrible it would have been to go through uh, all these changes that we've all gone through with a team who doesn't have your back Mm -hmm. or with a team who uses opportunities to undermine you and Mm. make your life more difficult. Mm. And so I think for any organization um, to reflect and to look at your team and then to think, well, how healthy are we? And if we see areas where it's unhealthy to, to be willing to change that. Mm. Yeah. There's some of God's providence in that too. I, I can't remember exactly when it was. It could have been 2019 or maybe even before that. But I remember us at the end of whatever year it was, looking towards the new year, um, saying we want to trust God for a stability in our team. Mm. You know, like every organization, we've had people come and go, and of course every time somebody <clears throat> leaves, it creates a hiccup, and there's the orientation and the integration of new staff members and readjusting. And we felt like we, we'd been through that too many times. And I, I don't know if you remember mm. that, where we mm. said we, we want, we, we, we're yeah. going to trust God for a stable team. And so it's been through turbulent mm. times and mm. that that's come about. Mm. But I think there's, there's mm. just some sense of, God, you've been faithful. Right, and, right. And you, you heard our prayers and look at the people that you've mm. added. Mm. Yeah, I'm glad you reminded me of that because I think that intentionality of looking for the right people to surround yourself with is Mm. what's made the difference. Mm. We certainly were intentional and we weren't in a hurry to replace people who had left so that we could find the stable team, Mm. so we could find who are the people we want to surround ourselves with, what kind of people. I remember us talking, well, what kind of people Mm. are we looking for? Mm. Um, Unbeknown to us that we would be entering into a whole Mm. uh, Mm. world-changing events. Yeah. And those are the people you want in the boat with you. <laughs> when there's a storm. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> so. mm. right. yeah, who do you want on the boat when you're seasick? And yes. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> All right, Mike. All right. So, yes, I think this kind of, some of what I'm going to say ties in with what has been said by Brian and Michelle. Um, the, the character word for these past months and years is uncertain times. I mean, we've heard that oh over and over and over again. <laughs> and Actually, I have a tattoo of that on my arm. <laughs> 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 oh, I, totally true. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, we, we've responded to that, and I'm sure many other people have as well, amongst ourselves and to our staff, and um, as often as we can. Well, God was not surprised. And of course, that's true. But one of the things that I have learned in this last year is to be surprised. Um, In the midst of all the uncertainty, um, there's been a lot of financial uncertainty. Um, Personal, business, Mm. non-profit organizations have all had to wade through that and and face that. And, of course, we know that there are many businesses and families that are still reeling under the um, effects of the financial uncertainty that came about because of that. I've been surprised and I've learned to maybe be surprised anew at the incredible ways that God finds a way of surprising us Mm. Um, in the way that he has sustained us um, as a team, Mm -hmm. in the way that he's helped us wade through all the things that we (laughs) had to be patient with, (laughs) but financially. Maybe for a non-profit organization, one of the biggest uncertainties was how is this whole thing going to affect us financially? Because we all depend on the generosity of other people. Mm. 
And if the whole world is in uncertainty, how much of that uncertainty translates directly in, well, we can't afford to be generous because we've got to look after ourselves. And um, we all know that we have a backbone of supporters through our orchard community. There are uh, some churches that are committed no matter what. There are uh, some foundations that have stayed committed no matter what. But even with that, that core group of committed uh, financial partners doesn't meet the budget Mm. to do what Mm. we believe we should do every year. And so every year for us, it's a faith project. Right. Mm. You know, there's nothing is ever certain. Um, mm. A friend of ours once said, "Every every nonprofit is in the verge of bankruptcy <laughs> because every year could be the year that people stop supporting you." Mm. And so, every year that we 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 start, it's it's a faith project. It's uh, we, we kind of anticipate what we're sure of, but there's a huge big portion of what we want to do that is totally totally uncertain, and it's totally by faith. Mm. And in that, that faith is the substance of the things we hope for and the evidence of the things that we don't see. But with the whole COVID uncertainty, it just seemed to make that uncertainty that much more real mm. and mm. the challenge that we face that much bigger. And yet God surprised us. Mm. Oh, wow. Mm. In such incredible mm. ways, ways that we couldn't have anticipated. Yeah. Mm. There were so many times we're sitting around the table and he said, you'll never believe the email. (laughs) Yeah. You'll never believe what this donor did or this or the way we have this new partnership with this organization. It's just, Mm. uh, we could have never predicted it. Yeah. Yeah. Individuals that Mm. we we didn't know. Mm. Churches that suddenly in the midst of their uncertainty said, hey, we want to be a blessing to you. Mm. Grants that kind of. Out of nowhere. Yeah. Mm. Now, I mean, it took it took work. It took input from mm. people in different ways. So it, it didn't just kind of fall out of the sky from manna. But yet, in the midst of the work and in the midst of what we did to, in our ability, mm. God surprised me. Mm. And That's I know wonderful. it sounds crazy that I've had to learn to be surprised, but I've always said to people that what we do is the most incredible adventure that I could imagine. Mm. And in the midst of that adventure, there's just been, this year has been a year of phenomenal surprise. surprise. Um, And it's it's been refreshing and it's been comforting in this adventure to just see God's faithfulness and God's goodness. And I mean, I'm sitting here saying, God, just surprise me again. Mm. (laughs) I'm I'm ready to be surprised Mm. and I'm ready to be Mm. surprised Mm. again. Mm. And it it is financial surprises that we've had that has been phenomenal, but uh, just God surprising us in all kinds of different ways where uh, we embarked on some things that we've never done before and we just decided, well, let's not wade in, let's jump in. And how successful that has been and... um, Yes, surprise from all fronts. Kind of stepping out of the boat and then being surprised that we didn't sink. <laughs> exactly that. Yes, mm. I like that. Mm. Mm. That's really good. Mm. Well, well the next one on my list uh, recognizes the uniqueness of this year for our ministry in that it was 30 years. We celebrated yes. 30 years this year. Um, 1991. The first meal was served on the garbage dump in, uh, in Moffat King. Mm-hmm. And all year we've been talking about just how God has been so good over those 30 years and the way that the ministry has grown and the people that have been involved. And we've used this phrase, um, this, the story of all of us. Mm. Yes. The story of everybody. Mm. And that, that's been a lesson learned for me this year. And just re- maybe maybe a reminder of how powerfully God works when everyone is in their role, mm-hmm. playing their part. And how uh, for us as a ministry, we, we, we couldn't actually do what we do without everybody being a part of the story. Mm-hmm. And there's been some moments along the way that have emphasized that in extraordinary ways this year in um, some partnerships that we've had um, where um, a church partner made the decision to um, provide 
little empowerment gifts in our women's empowerment program. And if you've listened in on uh, mm -hmm. um, our podcast this year, we've probably talked about that um, some. And uh, we've empowered um, a group of 20 women from um, the Western Cape area um, through a year of mentoring and, and training and empowering. And a church came alongside and said, we want to be a part of that. We want to play our part. And with that, um, I'm, I'm mindful of the fact that we can never, ever underestimate the transformational work of a simple act of kindness. Right. And the, the leaders and attenders and um, uh, members of, uh, of that partner church it, uh, them sending little gifts, uh, notes of encouragement, um, uh, little, uh, thank you cards, little, uh, little reminders that God is with them and that, that they matter has made a tremendous, tremendous mm. impact. And yep. it's, it's for me, it's just this story of everybody, everybody playing their part and what might seem like a, in someone's mind, a small act, uh, has uh, a huge, huge response, huge, huge impact opportunity. So even just the, the gift of a blanket. And I remember Michelle, mm -hmm. this past year, you told that story of um, through the generosity of this partner in the U S blankets were able to be purchased and little did we know what a difference it made in one, one person, not just physically that uh, this uh, woman had a blanket, but how that gift wove into her story and built her soul, mm. not just kept her warm. Mm. It, it uh, told her that God saw her as valuable. Mm. Uh, so it is a small gift of a blanket, but it's a huge gift to a person's soul. Mm. Mm. So yes, uh, it's definitely been the story of all of us um, <coughs> right from the get-go. And I love that. It's back to what you said about community. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, it's all of us. We, we, we thrive when we're working together. Mm. Mm. I think one of the lessons with that as a ministry is <clears throat> we, we need to tell the story of all of us. Yes. We need to continually remind our congregations, remind our ministry, remind our family the tremendous impact that obedience and generosity mm. and kindness has mm. and mm. the more we more we tell that story the more people engage and say well yeah. then my contribution matters right i think it's important for us to to remember that god's gift in us and through us really matters god has gifted each one of us in some way and those gifts matter in the biggest story of all of us, that when we come together with our mm. gifts, it makes a huge difference. Mm. Um, you know, I, 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 I write, and so I write blogs for this organization. I wrote the story of the blanket, and it's a gift that God has given me. I've, I receive so much um, so many emails from people who say that story just touched me or the thing you wrote really changed my perspective and I get a lot of feedback which is wonderful I love mm -hmm. the feedback um, but it helps to remind me that this is a gift that God has given me and I need to share it mm. I can't be selfish mm. or you know I look at you you were talking earlier Brian about your process it is a gift I've watched that in you how uh, meticulous you are and, and the process in which you do things and it's a gift that God has given you and when you mm. add that to the pot mm. that becomes a story of all of us or when I watch Mike um, in his ability to teach mm. and how our church leaders respond to that uh, whether he's physically in the room or whether it's uh, teaching over Zoom there's this instant response because he's a good teacher. He's mm. gifted. And so I think it's part of that story of all of us to contribute the gift mm. that, mm. that God has given us. Mm. 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 That's good. Mm. Yes, yeah, the, the teacher in me once always thinks of, well, what does the scripture have to say about this? Mm. <laughs> and I mean, really, it's, uh, we're a body with many members. And, and the passage in Corinthians is that, uh, there's not one member of the body that's more important 
And I think sometimes people feel like the contribution or the uh, gift that they have is so insignificant compared to somebody else's. You, know, you get up and stand in front of a whole room and you preach and all I can do is... Buy somebody a blanket. Buy a blanket. And it made such a difference and, in but that But where would the body life. be without that? Right, mm. right. Every gift is just as important as every other gift. Yeah, so if you're intrigued about the story of the blanket, you can go to our, our website, to our blog yes. and read it. Yes. Well, I'm going to jump on what you said, that we celebrated 30 years of ministry and say, and say that one of the things that I have learned and that I've been reflecting on, and it does um, speak into this ministry as well, is that my husband and I celebrated 40 years of marriage this year. Mm. And mm. I think our lives are a little unique in that we work together all the time, right from the beginning of our marriage. We've worked together, we've been in ministry together, uh, we've probably spent a lot of time together as husband and wife, mm. far more than most that I have observed. And I wanted to just make a few observations of this 40-year partnership, how it's affected our ministry and uh, this organization. I can't reflect on this year without reflecting on these 40 years. And so for me, uh, one of the things that we've done is we fill each other's gaps. Mm. You know, we have the saying at Orchard Africa that the church can fill the gap. Where there's a gap in somebody's life, the church can come in and help fill that gap. Well, we fill each other's gaps, you know. None of us are perfect. All of us are still forming and developing. And what I've found is that um, we just instinctively are able to fill each other's mm. gaps, um, even in the ministry mm. Mm. where we will just be there when the other one, uh, mm. we know that that's not a strength and automatically we fill that gap for one another. Um, I've also noticed that we take turns in being strong. It's been a tough year. Uh, you know, we've had f family members that were deeply affected by mm. this pandemic. Um, and there have been times when my heart has just broken completely broken for these family members and Mike has been so incredibly strong in in those times for me and then uh, recently we had to move Mike's mom into a frail care center and I could see how hard that was for him to move her out of her home mm. into a center and it was difficult for him and I could be strong for him mm. come alongside and say okay I can help you do this I can do this and so hmm. The other point I made is that we pull together. We're on the same team. Now, that doesn't mean that we don't ever disagree, because we do. We can mm. be really snarky mm. with one another if we want to. <laughs> Just like no. I think after 40 years, you know which buttons to push when you mm. want to. Yeah, so. I would say one of us is more mm. snarky than the other. <laughs> yeah, you are more snarky, definitely. I didn't say that. <laughs> I, I you're on the same page. It yeah, like. we're on the same page. But we do, overall, we pull together. Mm. Um, we, we're not mm. pulling apart. We're not mm. competing with one another. We recognize that we're on the same team and we, we pull together. And um, I think all those points that I've made is meaningful in a ministry when you lead together. Is um, As a team, outside of just marriage, mm. as a team, we need to help fill each other's gaps. We need to take turns in being strong and recognize there's times when somebody's going to be weak. Mm. And we need to pull together. We're on the same team. Mm. And um, this is just a personal one, uh, reflecting on the 40 years, is that I really admire my husband. Mm. I sat back and I thought, you know, I mm. really admire this man. I get to be married to him. Mm. Mm. Ooh, look at him, he's blushing. <laughs> <laughs> I scored some points. <laughs> yeah, you're not snarky. <laughs> I take that back. <laughs> mm. Mm. I'm not too sure <laughs> where we go. Can we end this now? Let's <laughs> end. Taking, taking the breath <laughs> out Mike, of you. Uh, Top seven <laughs> lessons. Uh, Mike's reconsidering his Christmas gifts. <laughs> You know, I Michelle, you you share that, and I, I've had the privilege of being able to observe that as well. And ministry's hard, and there's lots of hard decisions to make. 
and as leaders who are also married or people who are married who are also leaders. Yeah. Um, you do manage that well where you're honest and you say the hard things and yet uh, you do that with grace, uh, respecting each other. And, and it's been a good model for our organization and our ministry mm-hmm. too, because, uh, uh, you disagree in public, you know, in, in, with the team. So they see what that can look like and, and how you can honor each other, even though you, yeah, you may have a different opinion, which I think for, uh, leaders and I would say for senior leaders to be able to model that before a team is, is really good mentoring and training hmm. to yeah. see what, what that looks like. Oh, thank you for wow. that. Yeah. All right. I think we have time for one or two more. So Mike, why don't you, uh, okay. I'm, I'm going to be quick. Um, and this is really a, a relearning, a reemphasis, but, uh, during this year I relearned the value of, equipping the local church and the emphasis is on on the church Uh, michelle and i have always been church people uh, leading a church in south africa way back uh, when the ministry of orchard africa began Uh, we believe that the church should be is is the hope of the world Mm -hmm. and it might sound very egotistical and pompous but we believe that the church we were leading had the solutions for our city and we set about finding ways in which we could show the city, hey, we've got the answers. And so, and every pastor should believe that. Yeah, um, I, I, probably every pastor does. But I think that translated into when Orchard Africa began to emerge, we felt like every local church should be the solution to every community where that mm. church is. Mm-hmm. And yes. that's what drove us to equipping uh, the local church. And the reason this this was emphasized uh, so much and relearned so much during this past year is uh, we watched and we listened as the world shut down, as business, as tourism, as industry, as travel shut down. And amongst that were many, many really, really uh, established ministries and nonprofits who were doing work in areas that required them to go there to do the work mm. or required them to send people there to do the work. And in all of that, we, uh, we, we had to make a few uh, adjustments to the methods, but the work of Orchard Africa didn't miss a beat mm. because we didn't have to go somewhere. We didn't have to send people somewhere. The people mm. who were doing we're the work were already there. In mm. the church. The yeah. local church was right there. What we did have to do is find the way for those pastors to get special permits so that they could move outside of their, their lockdown, their, their situation. lockdown mm-hmm. uh, situations. Mm. Mm. But it, it just taught me again. We have always said that the church is that city that's set on a hill. The church can fill the gap. Right. Uh, the church can make a difference. And COVID showed me that that's true. Mm. And thank God for his wisdom and his guidance way back in 30 years ago where we felt what we need to do is work in equipping the church. Find a church and equip that Mm. leader. And instead of us trying to be the answer to everything, help the church become the answer to the problems. Help the church become uh, the light to the Mm. community. Well, Jesus Mm. said, I will build my church. Yeah. And the gates of hell will not prevail. And yeah. so for us, that's always been, I want to be found alongside Jesus building mm-hmm. his church. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, I mean, for us, that takes the church with the leader that's willing to actually step outside of his congregational focus and focus the on the community service. at yeah. large. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, Sunday's preachers becoming community leaders. Um, and so that, although every pastor should think that his church can make a difference, it takes some steps of actually <laughs> making that difference. But the lesson was that we were not restricted mm. because we couldn't go somewhere. Mm. We were already there through the church partners that we've equipped mm. and who mm. uh, we've come alongside. Right. And so as long as God gives us another 40 years mm. or 30 years of ministry, mm. it's the local church. And yeah. we will continue just to yeah. emphasize and focus yeah. on that. Yeah, and the idea that the church can't shut down you know, maybe Sunday services shut down, but the church, this organism, this vibrancy of the church, 
mm. should never shut down. Mm. It, and we a, saw that. It's mm. a people. So it's, it's not like an event or a, yes. a building. So right. the people just kept doing. People are there. Mm-hmm. Mm. That's lovely. I mm. like that. Mm. It's been, I mean, it's, it's not always been easy. Mm-hmm. Um, there, there's funders that we have had to say no to over the years because uh, they know that our, we're a faith-based ministry, but then they hear that all we do is through the church, and we're a little bit nervous about mm. directing money that's going to go to churches, and so they back off. Or we've had to say no, we can't change. Mm. We've had to say no to initiatives and good things that need to be done, but because it's not within the scope of what the local church can do. Mm. We've had to step back and say, we're, we're not going to do that. And so, mm. um, this idea of keeping focus on what God has called mm, us to do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Eugene Peterson said this long obedience in the same direction. And sometimes that direction <coughs> is, is not always the easy one. Mm. But staying obedient to that over the mm. long term, I think, <coughs> has long term results. Yeah. And for me, it just emphasized yeah. the lesson. The local yeah. church is mm-hmm. the key. Mm-hmm. It is what Jesus is building. Mm-hmm. And the, you see the brilliance of Jesus in the midst of <laughs> yeah. his leadership, that it was Absolutely. local. It always had to be local. And yeah. yeah, I had that written down too, long obedience in the same direction. Okay. And I think that's a really good place to land as we think about um, our past year and mm-hmm. um, our past 30 years and our next 30 years. Right. The sustainability of the church being at the center mm. um, ne- never goes out of trend, you know, never, uh, never stops working because the church is present and right. at work. And, and that's, that's what we do. And that's why we get up in the morning and we um, wade through uncertainty or whatever the day might bring because we know mm. that um, God does a special, unique transformational work through his local yeah. church. He does. And and this idea of that long obedience in the same direction, it doesn't mean that you've got to do the same thing over and over again. We found this mm. year we had to do a whole bunch of different things, mm. but it was still in the same direction. Yeah. We didn't change the direction at all. It was the same mm. direction. Mm. Mm. Well, thank you for listening in. We're uh, glad that you sat at the table with us as we reflected and, uh, encourage you to do the same. Mm. And maybe it's with your ministry team to be able to sit around the table and say, what what lessons, principles, what kind of learnings have you had? And what does God want to teach you in the midst of that? Or or as a family, you know, imagine sitting around the dinner table and having family members say, what have, what have I learned in this last year? And, and so we encourage you, we challenge you to, to reflect and listen and, um, and see how God might use those lessons in, in the next year as well. Yeah. yeah, It's been wonderful serving you through this podcast. Bye-bye. Mm-hmm. Bye-bye. I, my hope is that some of the lessons we've shared can be adapted to work in your life wherever you are as well. So mm-hmm. thank you. Mm-hmm. Bye-bye. Mm-hmm. Bye.